So you sat next to some random um, gentleman on a plane. Yeah. You were chatting, having the crack, having the chat, all the way back from New York, probably into Manchester, was it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you um, got chatting, and he recommends you a book, and it changes your life. Yeah. The end. Oh. <laughs> That's it. The majority of my experience in life, Lauren, even from... Um, Right from school, college, my first job, my first boss that I can remember. And it's just, I have learned how not to do things. I think I have had the most valuable lessons from that than I have learning how to do something from somebody. Uh, HEW, growth across the UK, several different coaches working under us. Um, helping as many people that we can across the length and breadth of the country. I want us then to be uh, expanding globally um, and that's all four corners of the globe. What you see is definitely what you get. Like I, I absolutely live and breathe HEW and the principles behind it. I don't get anybody doing or you know practicing anything that we don't do ourselves and that's what it's all about who wants to be an entrepreneur this isn't a quiz show this is reality a real life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW health excellence and wealth HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences. A full real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes. Hello and welcome to the HEW podcast. I'm here today, Lauren Brady, and I'm joined by Helen Williams. Hello, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. <laughs> so today's um, podcast episode, we're having a bit of a diversion from the norm, from the normal schedule that we've been following, um, for a very good reason. So the HEW podcast celebrated its two-year birthday on the first of August. So happy birthday, HEW podcast! Well done, Helen Williams. It's been amazing. I can't actually believe, right, that it's two years, and I didn't realise. Until I woke up on Saturday morning, I was like, oh, 1st of August, you know, uh, all the first of the month prep and everything else. And I was like, 1st of August, shit, podcast. It rang a bell. It rang a bell. And you've been, um, obviously, you know, you, we're not going to talk too much about setting up the podcast and why and how. And for anyone who does want to know about that, though, we did a really fun, well, it was fun for me and you, Helen, <laughs> Instagram Live. You know, we had a great engagement on there uh, on Saturday, the 1st of August. So jump over to the Instagram at TV Grid if you want to hear more about that. Um, this last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about the first six months in business together as a partnership. But what's come up during these conversations is there's been quite a lot of talk about uh, me there's been a lot of talk about our partnership and during our live on Saturday night um, we were talking about favorite episodes and not to sound like an absolute kiss ass but some of my favorite episodes were the very first ones in the podcast series where we were getting to know Helen so what I realized is if you are meeting us now whether it be episode 50 60 70 80 you might not have gone back in the archives. You might not be a binge podcaster <laughs> like I am. And you may not know much about Helen. So I wanted to do a reintroduction to the founder of HEW, Miss Helen Williams. So, Helen, you said to me I could ask you anything I wanted. Yeah, I might regret that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for those people who may not know your backstory, can you give us just a quick overview, uh, not from sort of, you know, toddlers and tricycles upwards, but tell us a little bit about your education, your start in your career, um, what you were doing, what you were achieving. Um, how far back do you want to go with education? Um, I, can, I can just say Where that. it got fun, where it got interesting. It got interesting, I guess, around the time I was, I was 16, um, and I went to college. I was hanging around with the wrong people that wasn't necessarily good for me. We'd been mm. friends for quite a while, but I saw college for me as a bit of an escape from that group. Um, but then it ended up, it ended up following me, and then restricting me for what I actually saw at the time that I wanted to do. So, what do you mean by the bad by a bad group? Like we've all been, you know, sixteen, seventeen. Are you talking about not knuckling down to studies, partying a bit too much? 
the normal stuff or are we talking anything out of the norm? I mean, just what? No, no, no. I, I used to get my head down. Um, you know, I, I, I was quite, I was quite uh, academic. I didn't naturally find it easy, but I enjoyed it. But I did have to knuckle down. Uh, but no, the, the the friendship group that I was in didn't really um, serve me. It wasn't anything that was the people wasn't looking out for me. Quite the opposite, um, and it just didn't sit right. It was quite manipulative. Um, and it just it just wasn't it wasn't anything that had a future to it. I'm thinking a bit like Mean Girls the movie here. Am I, am I on that kind of track? I've it not was just a lot of so, but Jesus, where were where were you in the early two thousands? What a golden movie. <laughs> the title the title fits anyway, so yeah, Mean Girls. All right. So you, you did your A levels, you did a cracking job, you got a place at university in Leeds, and what were you studying and where did you go from Leeds University onwards? Uh, I went to Leeds basically because at this time when I went to college, I saw it as an escape. Then I said that the girls followed me and then and manipulated who I could speak to and who I couldn't speak to and all of that. I ended up then like falling out with them to get away, but said to my parents at the time, I need to just quit. I'm just going to quit my ear level. Like, no, you're not. Like, you know, you, you, that is not an option. So I had to go back to the school where I'd, I'd, couldn't wait to run out of the gates from I had to go back to the school to ask for a place in their sixth form college so I literally went back with my tail between my legs saying please can I continue my studies here and um, because that was the only other option that I had so I did that but I hated it because then I went back and I was like I didn't I, I didn't want to be in school I didn't want to be around I, 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 I literally lost all my friends as well but then were they really friends no they weren't but it was a case of I was just then on my own out on a limb so I very I very rarely actually turned up to any classes um, and I, re, I, I was rebelling at that time really really lost really lost my way really lost my confidence and it's such a shitty time of life though isn't it like I, I say now whenever I'm talking to like you know, you know, I've got a really big family, but when I talk to my younger cousins who are like late teens, early 20s, and I think, Christ, I wouldn't go back to being 16, 17, personally. It's a rough time, isn't it? I think, because you're changing well, and getting grips with who you want to be and what you want to do. It was a really tough time for me as well, because it was the time then uh, where my mum and dad got divorced. Right. Um, so I, I did go through a really, really unsettling period of my life and all I wanted to do was just hide I didn't know what I wanted to do I didn't know who I was you know I, I was lost I was really really lost and and I thought that doing the right thing by going to college would have you know would have really excelled me and given me that that confidence and yeah. and what have you and it ended up backfiring I, I ended up in a couple of years worth of just a bit of a spin to be fair um, and my teacher's I remember them ringing home to um, my mom and saying, you know, we've got a back, we've accepted her back in school, but she's not coming to classes, um, and she's not gonna, she's not gonna end up in university if she doesn't like, you know, pull her socks up. So I had to explain why I'd been wagging it. <laughs> well, there's a term um, we don't use enough. Why we've been wagging it? Yeah. But Helen, I think, I think for anyone now who knows you, this version of Helen, it's very hard for me anyway. It's very hard to imagine you, you know, shirking responsibility, not putting the work in. Um, but I suppose that's one of the things that's really interesting for anyone to know is that the end result you see now, and it, and we know, and you say this dead openly, it's still a work in progress, but go back, you know, 15, 16 years, maybe a bit longer. Thank you, I'll take that. We'll just skip over that other couple of years we're missing out. So you went to, you got, you, you got your A-levels, right? Then you got accepted I, I, I literally had to, you know, had to book my ideas up. I never got, I never got entered for one exam because I didn't even turn up to any of those lessons. Sweet um, so I, had to, I had to scrape all my UCAS points from the ones that I, uh, I was, you know, eligible for. Um, yeah. I got to uni. I did get to uni. And then the, the, the uni I was supposed to be going to and the course that I was supposed to be going on, they pulled it a few weeks before starting. So I ended up then at another uni, which was Leeds then, which is fine. Loved it in Leeds. But it was like a last minute dot com kind of, oh. So there I, was a lot I, of change for you in those years, Helen. Like, it was, it, it was. Everything honestly, was changed. I wouldn't want to repeat any of it. Because in yeah. my first year at uni as well, then um, my nan and died. Hmm. Um, and I took that really, really badly. And it was just like, what is this? what is this life that's supposed to be adulthood <laughs> yeah. and yeah it, 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 it's just when you look back now it's like you can, 
the work now that we do, you know, at the college and we work with the, the, the youth from 16 year olds to 19 year olds and all of that work that we do with them around confidence and resilience. This is why it means so much to me because I didn't have any of that. You know, I thought that I thought that I did and I was trying to survive and it was just typical me where, you know, I would I would do what I need to do at the last minute. Um, but it wasn't a good ride. It wasn't fun. It doesn't sound it, if I'm honest, mate. So let's go on to some more positive times. You then got your feet at uni. You had a rough first year, but you graduated. Yeah. You then took a bit of time to go travelling. Yeah. Yeah, so I know we've got some fun stories on that that we've talked about um, off air. We won't leave them ones on podcast land. Um, and then you went on to do a master's. So you really got the wind in your sails then. Like you were, you were on a great roll there. Your academic confidence must have grown and you were, you were pedaling forward. Would you say that's pretty fair? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even it was like into my first, maybe into my second year of uni, I was like, what have, what have I even taken this degree for? Like a typical what was your degree in? My degree is humanities and social studies. So I, I, I enjoyed sociology basically at, um, at A-level. And, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it does come full circle because it's, it's very applicable now. But at that That's so level, weird. I don't know if we've ever talked about it. I did sociology as an A-level as well. I know you did. We have had this conversation. I've had that one. Yeah. I lose track. I lose track. It's a brilliant. And I just loved it. I love just studying people. Yeah. That's what I mean. It came back round full circle. But at the time, I was like, why have I done this degree? Like, why, why am I even doing this? Um, and I didn't, I didn't have any clue. I didn't have any idea of how I could then, you know, apply it into the world of corporate or work or anything. Um, but typical, as I say, myself was, you started it, so you're finishing it. And I took that mentality through. And then that's when really, I, you know, I'd finished, I graduated. And I'm like, okay. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I'm going to take some time out, travel, have some fun and commit to doing something where I can then apply into a business world or a job career path going forward, which then I did. And I did my master's in events management, graduated from that and then got a job in straight into like sports, hospitality, you know, corporate, commercial sales, all of that, which event management all very applicable and I went on and, and that served me for 10, 12 years in, in a career. And you loved it. So for anyone who wants a quick dash around the types of venues and clubs and places that you worked, am I, are you okay to name the places that, and the different grounds that you worked within? Yeah, yeah. Um, I worked at Doncaster Rovers for uh, almost six years. So um, I've been around. I've been around so many different football stadiums, um, yeah. which is fantastic. Held so many events as well, off-site, um, on and off the field. You know, with players, without players, for the corporate um, and commercial team. And then from that, I worked in Sheffield at Sheffield International Venue. So looked after all the. Um, facilities and the venues such as Sheffield City Hall, uh, English Institute of, of, of Sports, I Sheffield, uh, Ponds Forge, uh, been involved in so many amazing uh, things there, you know, like the Olympic torch really, for example, before the Olympics in 2012, just been fantastic. Then from there, um, I was there for three years, then went down to London and um, I've then had some of the finest experiences when it comes to hospitality and events. And, um, you know, we're talking Twickenham, we're talking Wimbledon, uh, Queen's Tennis Club, um, the Polo out in Windsor, Lord's Cricket, the Kier Oval. I mean, you were really, part, you yeah, know, you were really just getting by there, weren't you, H? Like, it must have been horrid, all those venues. That's terrible. Champagne, eh? terrible. <laughs> the food and the hospitality, oh, they need to, they need to raise the game a little bit. I'm oh, joking. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was absolutely, I've been spoiled very much so when it comes to hospitality and the finer things in life. I bet, I bet. But let's, let's take it back down from the less positive side. You were flying through your corporate career. You were making a great income. You had a big level of responsibility. You had a team of people. You were reporting into senior positions. What happened? What made it all change for you? Um, it was fantastic. I got, I, got, um, I got three promotions in two years in my job in London. Um, with the same company, worked all around the different venues, took on different budgets, took on different um, events and venues, had the team, 
directly reporting into the MD in uh, Twickenham. I was looking after all of, I was responsible basically for the sales behind all of the um, Six Nations hospitality and the Autumn Internationals. Uh, so, you know, pretty, pretty heavy duty stuff, but fun all the same. But what happened was, is I, I have always wanted and always had a passion for entrepreneurship and business. Um, I'm influenced very, very heavily by my dad. My dad's uh, been in business as long as I, I can remember from being a little girl and, you know, has done several different things, um, failed many and continued with some. Had had successes and had his uh, learnings and failures, if you can class it as failure. I've always had that inspiration and that influence from from my dad. But that aside, when it came to London, the balance for me was absolutely out. You know, I had some of the greatest experiences. I had some of the uh, the uh, enjoying the finer things, as I say. And in that time as well, because then the salary was so good, the commission was so good. You know, I I travelled to some amazing places in in around the world. You know, we were we were taking swanky long weekends away and trips to the Maldives and things like that. Like really, like quality stuff that you know the the the, the lifestyle allowed us to. But the thing for me is that it was affecting my health. It was affecting my well being. It was affecting everything about what was important to me when it was just work, work, work. And then it'd be kind of, you are living for your weekends or you're living for your time away as a holiday. And the rest of the time was just kind of just, it was just relentless work. And I'm not work shy, you know, I'm not, but it just affected me so much in terms of I was waking up in the morning and felt so ill to even get in the shower to get to work. So technically, Helen, on paper, uh, it looked like you were living the dream. Like say, you were on the property ladder, you were in a relationship, you were making great income, you were travelling the world. Would it be fair to say you felt dead inside? Yeah, massively. I struggle. I struggle. Um, it's it, it's important for me to say this at this point, but um, I have I have um, shared it before on podcasts and shared it on lives as well. And you know, people that do know me and have followed. Uh, for some time know that I struggle with this but I do have um, endometriosis so I struggle with um, like management of energy sometimes I have my I struggle with um, pain I struggle with um, just I'm living with a condition basically that is there's no cure to it um, I've been in. I've been hospital. I've been hospitalised three times um, without without any sort of remedy or recollection of even what it was. It took fourteen years to get diagnosed, and I finally got diagnosed by a specialist down in Chelsea. Um, and then I've had two operations since that diagnosis, um, and it's something that I will current continue to live with. Unfortunately, I can manage it the best I can, but it's that something that I live with until like post-menopause I believe um so it's just one of those things but because because I suffer with that then because the work in London wasn't giving me enough rest it wasn't giving me enough time for me to balance any of that out I I was just I was literally just struggling by every single day wow and I just want to say on this one as well, because I know I didn't know anything about the condition prior to meeting you. Uh, And my ignorance was huge in this. I honestly thought it was a case of having a bad hormonal cycle. You know, maybe you suffered a little bit, you know, um, with your normal regular cycle. When I understand, now I understand, like you say, um, more about the condition in terms of how silent it is, how how often it goes untreated. Um, And as you say, it's nothing to do with you not having the work ethic or the passion or the energy that you want to give for life but you have an underlying condition which basically wipes you out so you were you were going 100 miles an hour you were thinking I'll feel better this will give me the the feeling of success and it'll give me all the outward trappings but then you took a bit of a turn didn't you in your late 20s towards personal development would you say that's was that because of the way you felt physically was that affecting then your emotional and your mental health and how you grew as an individual yeah, it was everything. I mean, at that time when I started with personal development, I didn't, I couldn't put my finger on anything of, of this diagnosis. I just knew that something wasn't right. And I said to my mum for, for a number of years, you know, I've been prodded, I've been poked, I've been in, I've been, uh, I've had so many different um, scans and, and tests and things. I've had blood tests and it, it all just came back unexplained, unexplained, unexplained. And it, it 
I couldn't put my finger on it. And you know, I'm not, I'm not somebody that looks for sympathy and I have a really, really high pain threshold as well. Um, so I can tolerate a lot. You know, people say to me of oh, the fact that, you know, you carry so much, you said it to me before, you know, you carry so much, you know, I can handle so much. I'm, I'm like an ox with certain things, but this was just like a thorn in my side. And I said to my mom the whole time, mom, it's as though I just want to get inside my body and rip my ovaries out. Mm-hmm. And she went, what do you mean? I'm like, I can pinpoint it right to that point. I said, I am telling you now there is something there that is that right. is just not right yeah and nobody believed me you know they were just I got turned away from the doctors the whole time just saying you know um you know yeah. you're not coping with your with your with your cycle and all of this and all of the women's shit that we have to go through and it's like please don't patronize me I am not I I'm trying not to sound like I'm going to get on a, a rant or a high horse here um, because the NHS is a wonderful thing. We have so many amazing medical professions uh, available to us here in the UK. Um, and I don't want to take away from that at all. A huge amount of respect to those people who, who you know, save lives and give us everything we have. No. However, I know from what you've told me about this, you were just dismissed as a woman in her teens, early 20s. You know, you're having a bad period, you know, crack on. Here's yeah. a little bit of pain relief and go on with it. Um, yeah. And that's the thing. I, I mean, I know this isn't the emphasis of our conversation today, but something like this is when you know in your gut, you knew something was off. You knew that medically you weren't right. Yeah. But I think... If you don't mind me asking, and I, I, I know that you're going to answer it as honestly as you can, how does that then transpire into you as an individual, your career, your business? Because for some people, they're just like, you know, I haven't got great health. There's nothing I can do about it. So I'm just going to have great holidays. I'm going to, you know, use the income or the salary I have to see specialists. That wasn't the route for you. So can you explain how it did, how it did come about in terms of your personal growth and how that led you to quitting your job and starting many businesses? Well, you asked me about the personal development and it all links in because I was feeling so shitty, because I was questioning everything, because I'm like, I just felt not like my 100%. I wasn't firing on all cylinders and it got me down. You know, it affected me. It got me down emotionally. Like I was tired the whole time, but then I was sleep. I was sleeping and I went to, I went to the doctors with my mum. Like even as a, an adult in the 20s, I still took my mum because I'm like, they're not believing what I'm saying though, mum, please come with me. Um, and they wanted to give me antidepressant tablets. Yeah. I'm like, I even said to the, uh, the, doctor, uh, the doctor, female doctor at the time as well, I even said to her, please don't prescribe me with antidepressants. I'm not depressed. I'm not well. And the yeah. was like, no, 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 but these will really help you out. And it's, it's, not like, it's not like typical antidepressants and all of this. And I went, well, give them me if you want, and then I'll read up on them. And if I'm not, if I'm not satisfied, then I won't be taking them. I came, out of that, I came out of that doctor's, I got the prescription, and they were exactly antidepressant tablets. And I'm like, I was so offended that she prescribed me with these. And, not, and that's not saying, right? That they don't do it. They've not got a. They've not got a place in society. They've not got a place with people yeah, or anything yeah, else. But this wasn't the right. This wasn't but the that's, right. That's saying to them. someone, you know, I need a light bulb changing, but here's a battery. It might do the job. It's not yeah. doing the job that it needs me to do. So that same evening, I went. I remember right going to W H Smith in Meadowall. I was in Sheffield at the time. I went into W H Smith and I'm, I took a decision. I said to my mother, "I'm not taking these tablets. Don't care." not taking these tablets. It's not the right thing to do. I said, I'll get myself out of this. Because I was thinking then, you know, this it's down to me, it's my responsibility. If there's nothing that's coming up medically on a card, you know, any of my tests, any of my scans, you know, all of the things that they've said that it possibly could be, it, it came to a dead end. I was like, I've got to get myself out of this rut. Maybe it is something that's like a mental thing that I've got to then, you know, pull myself out of so I went to WH Smith and I remember looking for the self-help section in the bookstore what year are we talking now Helen what roughly what year are we on seven and and a half eight years ago right and I looked for the self-help section and I remember right like hiding like as though I was like I can't (laughs) let anybody see me because don't get me wrong, I, 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 I felt quite ashamed in a way as well and a little bit kind of bruised um, as well, coming out of there, not getting the results that I wanted. 
so yeah I picked up a book and it was uh, it was a CBT book I still remember it I've shared it with so many people in fact you've seen this author in uh, at an event haven't you uh, Corinne yeah. Sweet it's a yeah. red book and it's a CBT book and I read that cover to cover several times I'm like I've got to get this I've got to get this mindset shifted because that's the only way that can push me forward. Then following on from that and I improved myself, right? But I still went up and down and up and down with this energy and this pain system that I, I just continually have as this yeah. flow. Um, and, you know, that, 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 that was inevitable. I actually just keep, keep just sucking it up with that basically. But the CBT really, really helped for me. Then I was like, well, this is a little bit special. Then the next book then that helped me out was The Power of Now. And this yeah. will always, always have a fond place in my heart. For this um, very reason, yeah. For this very reason. I was recommended this by, um, by Callum, who has been on our podcast as well. we'll go back to that and you'll hear all that story. Uh, on a, a return flight from New York on my 30th birthday, um, and he recommended this book for me. We chatted the whole way back across the Atlantic. He heard my story, what I wanted to do, where I'd been, you know, my ambition and everything else. He said, Helen, promise me one thing. As soon as you land off this plane, order this book and read it. I've kept so in- just for anyone who hasn't listened to Callum's interview, did yeah. you meet Callum on the flight or was he a friend you were on the flight no, with? I'm on the flight. So I sat beside him. Stop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that kind of shit. So you sat next to some random... Um, gentleman on a plane, yeah. you were chatting, having the crack, having the chat all the way back from New York, probably into Manchester, was it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you um, got chatting and he recommends you a book and it changes your life. Yeah. The end. Oh. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So then, okay. you Go on, sorry. Go on, Lauren. I, I, you know, I was then enlightened. I wanted more. I knew there was more to it. And I started looking into more things, reading more, taking more on board because I knew the power. And all I could revert back to is the fact of um, I could have easily have took those antidepressant tablets or not. Which just wouldn't have solved the problem. It would have just turned the noise down. It maybe would have numbed it out a little bit, but the problem would still be the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've done a huge dive there into personal development. At this point, you then, uh, you're down in London, you're working hard, you're having a great time, but this little fire in your belly yeah. about being an entrepreneur, about building your own businesses, that kind of took on a, on a, a bit of a, a flame of its own then. It went from being a little burning desire to being a raging inferno, right? Yeah, and it had to. And, um, you know, part of it was to um, ensure that that burning desire was um, was attended to yeah but then at the same time it was to remove me from that corporate hamster wheel that I was in because it was affecting me really badly with my health so, so the businesses that you set up for anyone who doesn't know the first business you went into property yeah me, me and my partner um at the time set up in uh, property he was still in business um himself uh, so it was me that then started the business up uh, from scratch and managed that for the for the first eighteen months on my own. Started buying property, then uh, investing in um, properties, renovating them, keeping them, self flipping them, uh, retaining them as buy to lets, going into HMOs, and expanding the portfolio in that respect. So yeah. So the interesting thing that I know about this, that I think I don't think everybody knows about you, Helen. You didn't just start playing Monopoly with a with a trust fund. You didn't start just. You weren't. You know. You weren't given like there's a hundred grand, Helen. See how that goes and if it doesn't work out no problem you gave up your job you yeah. saved you saved a, few, a good few months worth of uh, living expenses and salary yeah. but you went out you you gave up a very high paid career to go into a property investment business but you like I say you weren't playing monopoly so I wonder if you could just expand a bit on the education side that you took because I think this is pivotal to where a lot of people play at being an entrepreneur versus really putting everything in and going for it so we went on um, property educational courses. Um, so I I was already surrounded by property, by the way, as well. So I, you know, I, I wasn't coming into it blind, but at the same time, I because I'm I'm very very aware that of all the stuff that I'd already learned 
up to that point in terms of my own personal development, I was very, very aware that you can't ever know it all and you can't ever know enough. Um, so we made the decision um, to invest in ourselves by getting educated in the right way. And that's that's what we did. I mean, you know, we, we, we did invest quite a, quite a bit into, into that. Um, we've learned quite a bit as well. I mean, to be honest, I didn't even finish my course like requirements of everything because I, I just got a bit it just got a bit tedious got a bit kind of full of hype you know from from the courses it was evident that you could walk into the course take the take the key principles from it and then take it away you know you weren't buying a bible you weren't buying a quick fix but unfortunately it's positioned in that way and a lot of people then go down that line thinking that that's what it's buying you even though you know you've been delivered on quite a lot of the principles on quite a lot of the um the laws the regulations all of the things that you know you can't just do as being an armchair investor you've got to get your shit right there's a lot delivered on that but at the same time out in the marketplace when you're growing business and you're investing in this bricks and mortar business you've got to use a lot of your own intuition you've got to use a lot of your own common sense so i got to the stage of of like i've heard enough now i just want to go out there and, and put it into action so this is interesting actually because one of the things that i had down here to discuss with you is sometimes people become absolute course junkies mm. and they can't take an action or they can't make a decision without spending thousands of pounds on someone giving them permission to do so now we're both in the coaching world and we are people who help people make decisions develop move forward and i'm laughing here to myself because i know you so well you were ready to take action before the course finished so you were like see you later lads i'm off i'm getting started would would you say that sums it up pretty much yeah I mean, to be fair, never went, never really got off to a positive start um, in terms of, you know, doing how you should do and follow suit how you should follow suit. Never been one of those type of people, have I really? I'll do, you know, I'll be rebellious as much as I can and I'll find my own way. Um, but I was told from one of the uh, mentors at the time that I was foolish to be uh, leaving my job. And I know why they say that, and you know you shouldn't leave your, you shouldn't leave your paid career because you need that as your um, to be able to get lending. You know you know that more than anyone else. However, this guy did not know my situation. He did not know you know what our financial situation was, and he also didn't know I, I've already got another business in property before I'd walked into his classroom. So, you know, it, it was a case of I took, I took I just took the main principles and then, yeah. Like you said, I, so how about then? How about then? That tips into HEW again. I'm going to skip forward and come back a minute, Helen. You know, one of our core um, values is individuality, and I'd say that's probably had a big influence on you. I know I've had my own influences on individuality, but when you go into courses where it is a set syllabus, you are going to learn. 12 parts it's going to be this and then you've got this task to do and you you know etc etc i know that's something both me and you don't um conform to for that very reason we're like everybody's an individual not everybody needs to listen to this part of the course on week two on week six not everyone's got the same challenges the same starting point the same end point would you say then coming through that education which i know you say is has been hugely valuable and you really are pleased you've done but did you learn how you wanted to be a coach and how you wanted to work with entrepreneurs and investors yourself on the back of it? Um, I think with, with the majority of my experience in life, Lauren, even from um, right from school, college, my first job, my first boss that I can remember, um, it's just I have learned how not to do things. I think I have had the most valuable lessons from that than I have learning how to do something from somebody i yeah. normally find how to do it myself but I, but part of that learning is knowing how not to do something because somebody else has done it so very badly or they've advised you so very badly makes sense makes sense okay so let's jump back a stretch then so your, your property business is cranking and um, you and your business partner in property uh, you know again things are moving forward you're taking risks you're getting returns but you knew property was a vehicle for your business startup it wasn't to be your only vehicle yeah how did you start HUW what gave you the confidence the impetus the guts the glory where did it start well do you know what I've always I've always wanted to 
help people. That is my passion. Like I, I am such a people person and I am such a, an ambassador and a, a cheerleader for people's success and, and, and leverage of everything. And I just see so much wasted potential day to day. And it la- it's because people lack so much in their confidence levels and so much in their self-belief. And I had already written a business plan over what I wanted to create with, with coaching. Um, and again, because I've seen it done so badly, it, it was just the right time for me to step into that. I knew that pro- I didn't want to be in property. Like, I don't want to walk around a freaking building site or a renovation project with a branded hard hat on thinking, you know, that I'm Billy Big Balls. I, I actually don't care. I don't, I don't put anything out publicly about, about property. Like, that is all behind closed doors for me, and I'm all right with that because um, it was my choice. Like, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be the next letting agent. I don't want to be the next sourcing agent. I don't want to be the next project manager. I just want um, me and my business partner to have a, a successful growing portfolio that's cash flowing and that, you know, it, it is basically, you know, building and building, like, the whole time. Um, and it was the right time for me then when my business partner had come out of uh, his work um, and, and that business line had finished then, he could then take the reins a little bit more and be more hands-on, then gave me the opportunity to explore into the business world of coaching where I always wanted to put the passion. Um, the, I mean, who, who gets excited about bricks and mortar? I mean... Some people, fresh- some people, they wouldn't... I know, yeah. And do you know what? I like the transformation. I love the transformation. I do love property full stop. I've always loved property. You know, I've told you this story before of um, the like, I've always been interested in big houses and big property and spectacular looking houses. Even as a little girl, I used to get my mum to drive around the posh houses. We never lived in a posh house as a kid. Like, I used to get her to drive on the posh streets, you know, with the ones with the big electric gates and the big driveways and stuff. And I used to get her to slow down. And I used to pick my houses out and say, Mom, I'm going to own something like this one day. And she, you know, she's, she's all for it. And she's like, yeah, good. I hope you do. And I'm like, I love now I actually, now I actually do own a lot of property myself. It might not be the big electric gates type houses, but it's, it's happening. It's coming. It's on its way. Okay, so HEW, where are we talking? It was 2017. Was it November? It was November 2017. Okay, so you start off, you're in London. Um, obviously, London, um, capital city, amazing uh, amount of opportunity there, but also an amazing amount of competition. Um, you are at the start of your coaching career, and you launch, and you, you, went, you went straight in, Helen. You went big, right? Yeah, because I, I'm, I'm, my mentality, Lauren, is um, and it, it's it's a it's a plus side and it's a it's a it's a minus as well. It's my mentality is I'm all or nothing. Like go big or go home. Yeah, basically, um, and it's a case of you're either in it or you're not. Like I don't really do that halfway house point. You know, I'm I'm quite black and white. Um, it's either a yes or a no. It's not a maybe. It's kind of just. I like to know where I stand. I like to know where other people stand. I like to know what we are dealing with. So then when it comes to something like that, you're either doing it or you're not. And that was my decision. It's kind of like, I, I, I'm all in, I'm all over it. Like, let, let's, let's invest, you know, let's, let's get the branding right. Let's get, I, you know, I, I took the decision then to finally get into the, the podcasting. And I wanted to make everything right because... This coaching business for me, starting out in, in 2017, wasn't just a bit of a passion. It wasn't just that I could go and have a coffee with somebody and, and, and talk about the goals and, you know, and discuss what, what we're going to be doing. Or, you know, a favourite one of yours, what I always say is, uh, let's sit in a circle and sing Kumbaya. Um, you no, know, don't rub crystals on yourself. Always rub crystals. Yeah. and crystals. <laughs> no, it, I have a big vision for HEW. Yeah. Like, I never wanted this to just be a one-man band brand. Yeah. I never wanted it to just be those coaches, you know, those life coaches that you meet at networking, right? And they're like, yeah, I say that in inverted commas. The life coaches that you meet at networking events, and they're like, they're, they're, a, they're a part-time life coach. Like, how can you be a part-time life coach, in my opinion? Like, but, but it, because that doesn't fit with my mentality. 
I have to be, I have to be at all. If I'm going to be a coach, right, I'm going to have a business out of it. I'm going to have a brand out of it. I'm going to have a strong team. I'm going to have a strong ethos. I'm going to be, I'm going to be speaking with people across the world. I'm going to be changing lives. I'm going to be making a difference. A part-time life coach going into a networking event because they, they can be asked that, that, that month, but then you don't see them again for six months. Like that is not my mentality. So I think, I think the thing that I'm getting straight from there, it was never going to be invert commas a side hustle. It wasn't something you were dipping your toe in. And again, I don't mean to sound disrespectful to anyone using that term. Uh, I'm a big fan and believer of people getting lots of stuff going and having multiple streams of income. But for you, it wasn't a case of you weren't testing the waters with HEW. You knew what you were doing. You knew what the vision was. You'd been working on yourself though for, would you say close to a, you know, eight, nine years at that point? Eight years, definitely, definitely. Eight years, okay. Well, so the point at this point, Bill Lauren, is when you say about side hustles and things like that, don't get me wrong, right? I, I've done that. I've done this because I was exploring things, particularly then in property. I did network marketing for a year. Mm-hmm. I've got to say that because, like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not editing out any part of the truth. <laughs> yeah, because it's a case of I'm not opposed to people trying things out. You can you can have temporary side hustles for different things, and you need to try it out to see what's going to work for you to what's important for you. That got dumped off right as soon as HEW come on the line because I couldn't afford to not put all of my time and my energy into that. Okay, so that, that's not right for me. No, a hundred percent. So tell me this: I'm going to kind of draw us to a close because I think me and you could talk about this for an hour and a day. Yeah. Um, what would you say, Helen, for people who wanted to get to know you now? Obviously, they see um, the version of Helen 2020. They don't see 2017 start of HEW. They don't see 2009, you know, at the start of your corporate career. What would you say now are your biggest vulnerabilities as an individual, as a person and in business? What, where, where's your, yeah, I don't want to say weaknesses. I want to say your vulnerabilities. My vulnerabilities, mm, I would say... I'm too nice sometimes. I have a I have a huge heart. I know in terms of you know public life and people see me on uh, interviews, they see me public speaking, they see me on social media, and I get called ruthless quite a lot. People mistake my work ethic and my resilience for being a bit of a um, bit of a bitch, I guess. Um, I, you know, I get that impression and, you know, we've had this discussion, but I actually have a huge heart. I'm soft as shit with the people that I care about. Um, and I care about a lot of people and ask any of my clients, right? I am, this is why I'm renowned for this is tough love. I, I actually love them. I care about them. I respect them and I want them to do well. Like a client to me is not just a number, it's not just a tick, it's not just it's not just a, a sale. Like I genuinely, genuinely, I am I take them under my wing and I want them to win. I will them on with every cell in my body as though their goals are my goals. And yeah, I would say that's probably a vulnerability. And then managing that as well and managing that perception. Um, because I you know, I'm relentless. And that relentlessness is not necessarily ruthlessness. And, you know, that, that is, a, that is a, a, an amazing um, differentiator there because relentlessness is the resilience and the work ethic and, you know, the can-do attitude and the fact that, you know, you keep getting up even when you've been knocked down and the fact that you keep on going. But r- ruthlessness to me, when somebody says about ruthlessness, that is like treading on people to get what you want. That is like not giving a shit about other people's emotions. That is like stabbing somebody in the back and not even having a conscious mind about it. I am not like that one iota. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm fair, you know, I'm loving and all of that. And I think, I think, to be honest, that's probably a vulnerability of mine. As you're saying it here, I'm nodding along in my normal Churchill dog way. Um, I, I don't see it as a... A weakness um, I can understand why it's caught when we've said vulnerability because it you know it can sometimes uh, when you're vulnerable it's hard and it's exposing in lots of ways um, but I can certainly say from being a client of yours um, all those years ago and now being your business partner I totally agree you have a huge heart the thing that I just came up in my head here I wrote a note down is and it pisses me off because 
as females in business and as females leading and being direct and you know I'm I'm never shy away from that when I think something's you know bullshit I use language like that and I'll call us not call someone I'll say you know this is bullshit or uh, I'm not fucking standing for that and that will come out of my mouth because it's genuinely how I'm thinking and that's my vocabulary I'm not doing it for effect or to insult anyone and in the same way Helen you are direct to the point tough love yet we can get called the word bitch and yeah. we can get called harsh yeah. yet if we were a male counterpart in our position that those words wouldn't even come into it so I know it's one that for both me and you are like we accept it interestingly we both come from very heavily male dominated backgrounds in our careers yeah. uh, you know m- you know again sales marketing events uh, probably the events industry a little bit more and sort of the um, middle management would be more female but th- you know we've both been in high level responsibility where we're probably one of only one or two females in the room so it's yeah. something that does drive me mad when people go I've got a big heart but I'm a bitch I'm like Ugh, take that one and hop with it because I'm not going to come on board if I was a, a different gender yeah. and you were a different gender would be called something else okay and for the final uh, point here Helen what's your big ambitions you've touched on a few as we've chatted but you know it's blue sky time you know, there's no limitations. The sky's the limit. What's your ambitions personally and for your businesses? It's not, it's not blue sky time. This is written down as actual vision and goals. Um, so it's not just me kind of pie in the sky, you know, what can I say as an ambition? Um, this, this will happen. Uh, HEW, growth across the UK, several different coaches working under us. Um, helping as many people that we can across the length and breadth of the country. I want us then to be uh, expanding globally, um, and that's all four corners of the globe. Um, and you know, we will have a, a strategic plan for that for when we you know start entering into different markets. Um, but focus for, first and foremost on the UK, and then on a personal level. Because of the, the global aspect to it, I, I, I personally want to enjoy travel out of, uh, of different things and combining that business with the personal life and the pleasure as well. Um, and somewhere in there, I want a, a, a house on the south of France. Um, and that has been a, a vision of mine for a number of years. Um, last year, I was actually out there checking property out um, but I don't have a spare million pounds for the Provence of what I would like. Not so just yet. Not just yet. I need to work a little bit more. And um, work we are ready to do. That will that that is definitely the ambition, that is definitely the vision and the the, the strategic plan for you know where I see the business, where I see the brand. Um, I you know, I've got all sorts of things that I want us to achieve. Um, we're doing lots of special things with the college. We've got lots of special things coming up with the university. We have we have a, a good academic um, delivery to have through the HEW syllabus, and yeah, I just I just think it's going to be cracking. Like health, excellence, and wealth, it, it is predominantly for entrepreneurs, and it always was set for entrepreneurs, but it's for everyone. It's universal. And, you know, oh, we could call it helping everybody win. Help, uh, you know what? When I first, when I first, when I first, um, when I first introduced the HUW, um, yeah. back right in the beginning, a guy who I went to school with said that he said, "Why?" He said, "With everything that you're doing, why isn't it helping everyone win?" And I was like, "Well, technically we are, but the the niche that we're going down." Yeah. Know your niche. Know your niche and stick to it. Okay. I totally agree. Like it's something that. Um, you know, we talk about a lot. I mention is that the word entrepreneur can get used, and it gets used a lot in a way where people call themselves an entrepreneur or a business person, and they might deem themselves an entrepreneur. It's not necessarily the title I would give them. I would call them someone who is playing at it and dipping their toe in the water, as opposed to completely committing. Yeah. And I think regardless of your title, you know, I started working with you when I was in an employed role, and um, I'd been an entrepreneur. I'd then gone into with a corporate back in the consultancy and into the corporate world and then came back out of that again and to be honest the titles have made very little difference to me over the year whatever I'm doing I feel like I, I you know my name's on it so yeah. I'm owning it and I'm doing it 
Um, but obviously we know ourselves we're in the business there's way more to gain there's way more to lose so helping entrepreneurs helping everyone we can battle that one out later on and um, Helen it's been fab I think for me it's dead easy to have these chats with you because I you know I know I know you now so well as a business partner and as our friendship has developed on the top for me I just always want people to suppose hear and see the Helen that I see on a daily basis and um, again not just because I, I think that you know it's all positives and rainbows, but just what you said there about your heart being in such a great place, uh, the way that you back people, the way that you energize people, you know, what you give out. Um, so I think for myself and any of the community listening, thanks so much for having the balls step up and get it started. That's what, that's what it's all about. You're welcome. And I just want to, I just want to end on that is the fact that what you see is what you get, like literally. Um, and if, if that on some occasion you see the you see the relentlessness, you see kind of the tough love, you see the direct talking, then so be it. But then at the same time, I hope you can appreciate you also see the real me when I share, you know, behind the scenes. I mean, look at us now. We're doing this. We're doing this podcast. We're recording just for record. It's quarter to nine on a Sunday night. I'm still. I'm sat here, hair scraped, scraped back, no makeup on, and my gym kit on from the body pump class that I did at six o'clock. Like, how much more real is that? And what you see is definitely what you get. Like, I, I absolutely live and breathe HEW and the principles behind it. I don't get anybody doing or you know practicing anything that we don't do ourselves, and that's what it's all about. You, you can be, you can be raw, you can be real, but you can still be successful, fulfilled and happy with all of that as well. Thank you very much for being with us, uh, whether it's uh, this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever you're listening from. If you have enjoyed this episode, uh, as always, we would really appreciate your feedback. Uh, the, the best way to do that is please go to the platform you're listening to and um, give us a review. Uh, give us, you know, five stars on there. We'd really love it. The other way that we would really appreciate your support, if you are listening to this and you could take a screenshot, share to your social media, we're everywhere, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, tag HEW, tag Helen, tag myself, uh, and we'd love to know where you're listening from today and what value that you've got. Um, other than that, have a great day. Speak to everybody next week. Thanks, Helen. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you for listening to the HEW podcast. For continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.